We're back with another episode of The Student Loan Show. On today's episode, we're looking at how to manage your student loans and keep your financial house in order when you're dealing with ADHD. According to the Center for Disease Control, 11% of all children have the syndrome, and two-thirds of them will continue to deal with its effects for their entire lives. So this week, I'll give you my top tips for staying financially organized in spite of your brain. It's our special ADHD Awareness Month episode of The Student Loan Show. Thanks for coming back to The Student Loan Show. My name is Jay Fleischman, and I'm not only your host, but I'm also a student loan lawyer. And today we're talking about ADHD and student loans. The federal government offers a variety of student loan solutions at no cost to you. But every person's financial situation is different, and there's no one-size-fits-all solution when it comes to getting your student loans under control. If you want to understand the complex options for student loan resolution and make the best financial choice for your financial stability, go to studentloanshow.com to schedule your student loan analysis to meet with me by phone or Skype. We'll review your entire financial situation, come up with the right plan for tackling your student loans, and help you get into a better place. You can decide to implement that plan on your own, or you can have me handle it for you through my student loan advisory service that includes an annual student loan review so you know you're always on the right track. Just go to studentloanshow.com to learn more and see if it's right for you. October is ADHD Awareness Month, and the 2016 theme is Knowing is Better. So we're going to talk about knowing the best way to keep your student loans under control using accommodations to maximize your chances for success. ADHD, which is short for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, is a brain syndrome that impairs the functioning of what are called executive functioning skills. Those include attention, concentration, memory, motivation, and effort, the ability to learn from mistakes, impulsivity, hyperactivity, organization, and social skills. Back in the old days, ADHD was thought of as a syndrome for children only, and the thinking was that ADHD was a problem of brain development occurring more slowly than necessary, but that the deficit resolved itself by the time that puberty hit. But medical professionals have come to understand that two-thirds of children with ADHD continue to grapple with the condition throughout adulthood. Of the 6.4 million children diagnosed with ADHD, nearly 4.5 million of them remain ADHD for the rest of their lives. And not only do today's children face the likelihood that their ADHD will remain a factor in their lives through adulthood... But today's adults are starting to recognize their own symptoms as they learn more as their children are diagnosed. ADHD has a strong genetic component, and that's why it's not uncommon for the parent of a child with ADHD to rewind their own life story and come to the conclusion that they've been suffering with it their entire lives as well. In fact, 
It's thought to affect about 9 million adults in the United States alone. And as education and diagnostic procedures continue to evolve, we're starting to realize that ADHD is far more prevalent than we ever realized. As a child, it can make you impulsive and hyperactive. You can't concentrate in class. You have more difficulty forming and maintaining friendships and you underachieve academically. Left untreated, children with ADHD are more prone to depression, are more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, and drop out of school far more frequently than their peers. And as ADHD progresses into adulthood, the effects shift from the academic to the professional. Adults with ADHD have a limited ability to stay on task at work, have difficulty concentrating on what others are saying. They have a hard time following through on tasks, completing projects, or maintaining organization at home or at work. They're less able to get along with others at work and in social situations, suffer from relationship problems, and often feel like failures. They're more prone to depression, anxiety disorders, drug and alcohol addiction, divorce and suicide. And when it comes to money, adults with ADHD are far more likely to file for bankruptcy, fall into foreclosure, have worse credit, have greater debt levels, and go through more prolonged periods of underemployment and unemployment. But one thing ADHD does not mean, it doesn't mean that you're not smart or creative or able to problem solve. And in fact, A lot of successful people have ADHD. Justin Timberlake, Sir Richard Branson, a virgin. Adam Levine, he's the lead singer of Maroon 5. Star chef Jamie Oliver. Will Smith, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Michael Phelps, who is the most decorated Olympian of all time with a total of 28 medals. Ty Pennington from Extreme Makeover Home Edition former NFL quarterback Terry Bradshaw, Glenn Beck, love him or hate him, he's a smart guy who's accomplished quite a bit, Ryan Gosling, hey girl, and uh, David Needleman, he's the founder of JetBlue. The list goes on and on and on. But suffice to say that just because somebody's got ADHD, it doesn't mean that they're not smart. It doesn't mean that they can't accomplish really great things. But the thing that separates the successful and famous people with ADHD from everybody else, and the things that those people have in common, aside from the fact that they're successful and famous, is that they've adopted practices and behaviors that help them adapt their world to how their brains work. Because when you're an adult with ADHD, you have a hard time focusing and concentrating. You have a greater inability to control the impulse to overspend. It's harder to make and maintain long-term savings plans, and you're less able to focus on the things that you need to do in order to properly manage your finances. Couple that with an inability to concentrate and remain on task for long periods of time, which makes adults with ADHD far more likely to lose their jobs or jump from one employer to the next. Now, facing these challenges without a solution makes the adult with ADHD look around at their peers and realize that they make less, they have less, and they're less prepared for their future. 
it leads to feelings of guilt, shame, embarrassment, and a sense that they are failures at life. They're deep in debt. They overspend. They're less financially stable. And in fact, without a solution, adults with ADHD tend to make an average of $10,000 a year less than adults without ADHD. But it all stems from an impairment of executive functioning and a lack of a system to make up for it. It's like being four feet, five inches tall and needing to change a light bulb. It's not that you can't change the bulb. You're smart enough to figure out where to get the bulb. You know how to screw it into the socket and you know how to flip the switch. You just need a ladder to help you do the job the right way. And that's the same thing as adults with ADHD dealing with their financial situations. As you get older, you're more likely to have already developed some coping mechanisms if you've got ADHD. Maybe you make enough money to have someone else manage your finances. Perhaps you've got a spouse who's responsible for the household finances and they handle it for you. Or maybe you found that exercise makes it easier for you to focus on doing what you need to get done. And that's why older adults with ADHD are at less of a risk for financial calamity than those ADHD sufferers who are younger and haven't gotten to that stage in their lives. And it's exactly that group of people who are already battling the biggest and most complex financial problem, student loans. So if you've got ADHD, you're going to need to adopt some tactics to help you manage your personal finances in a way that doesn't set you up for failure. A way to pay the bills that enables you to play to your strengths while also recognizing and accommodating for your limitations, the things that you can't do. I've got 10 things, 10 steps, 10 tips and tactics that you can put into action if you've got ADHD and it's really useful even if you don't have ADHD. But for people with these symptoms of ADHD, this is going to be that ladder that's going to help you get up to the light socket to change that light bulb. So let's jump into it. The first one is if you've got federal student loans or if you've got private student loans, get a professional analysis of your student loan debt to determine whether there are income-dependent repayment plans that are right for you, and if so, which one. This is one of those situations where paying a professional to handle the application and recertification process for federal student loans might be money well spent. Yes, the applications are free, the processes are free, but if you have ADHD, then you're more likely to have problems with the details and the deadlines. Those problems can easily trip you up and can end up costing you thousands of dollars as well as far more financial difficulties later on. So spending a little money to get it right might actually be a good investment. Your second step is to figure out how much money you need each month to pay your rent, your mortgage, and your utility bills. Take your utility bills for the past year, add them up, and divide them by 12 to get an average monthly number. Add your student loan payments to that figure, add your rent, your mortgage, your car insurance, your car payments, all of your overhead expenses. Then take that number and add 5% because that's going to help you account for any variations 
in your monthly utility bill payments. Once you have those numbers together, you can move on to step three. Open up a new bank account at a bank that is different than the one that holds your current checking and savings account. Be sure you don't take a debit card or checks for that account because you want to remove the possibility that you can ever use the money you're going to put into it because the only money that's going into that new account is going to be the money to pay your monthly overhead expenses, your rent, your mortgage, your utility bills, your car insurance, your car payment, your student loan bills, that's only going to be paid out of this new account. Anything that doesn't get paid, that's going to be a little bit of savings cushion because if you run into a financial problem, if you lose your job or go through a period of underemployment, that savings cushion is going to go a long way to helping you out, but you're not going to be able to touch it. So it's only going to be there for the overhead bills. So that's your third step. Open that new bank account at that other bank, not the same one that you use already. Step four, if your employer offers a 401k, you want to max it out. What that does is it allows you to get your long-term savings in order. And that's a problem for people who are living with ADHD. So you are going to get your long-term savings in order. So now you've got your monthly overhead covered and you've got your monthly long-term savings. So we can move on to number five. Change your W-4 form with your employer. That's the form where you decide how many exemptions you're going to take for the purposes of your federal withholding, the lower the number of exemptions, the more money is taken out of your paycheck each period. You want the maximum taken out of your paycheck for taxes. In doing so, you're going to reduce the chances that you owe money to the government when you file your tax return each year. It's going to be a form of forced savings, but what it's also going to do, again, is it's going to reduce the chances that you've got to cut a check to the government for unpaid taxes every year. That's number five. Number six is my super duper secret ace up the sleeve trick. And that is this, split your direct deposit. Most people don't realize that they can do this, but when you've got direct deposit, your payroll company doesn't care where the money goes and it doesn't care if all the money goes to the same place. So you want to split your direct deposit. You want to take the amount of money that you need for your basic overhead plus 5% of that number and you want to send it to that new account. The balance of your pay is going to get sent to your regular checking account. You're not going to need any of that for your overhead expenses. All of that money is going into that new account. So that's number six. Number seven is what we do with the money once it gets to that new account. And that is this. You're going to put all of your bills on auto pay from that separate account. It allows you to make the decisions that you need to make about paying your bills, and it allows you to use auto pay as the system to make sure that everything goes according to the plan that you set up. It's going to prevent late fees and more interest charges. It's going to protect your credit rating. It's going to lower the chances that you get evicted or fall into foreclosure or go into default on any of your loans or obligations. And it's going to minimize the chances that your electricity gets cut off. This way, everything is getting paid. It's getting paid automatically. This is the 
set it and forget it stage. This is really where all the magic happens. When you set it and forget it, you don't need to worry about it every single day and you don't need to worry that you're going to be hit with some surprise like the electricity getting cut off. So that's number seven. Number eight involves you taking out a pair of scissors and cutting up all of your credit cards immediately. Now, what that's going to do is it's going to prevent you from engaging in any impulse spending. It's going to limit your ability to get into debt. It's going to take away that impulsivity coming out in your personal financial situation. Remember, this isn't a matter of willpower. This isn't a matter of, I'm not smart enough to manage my debt load. It's not, I'm irresponsible. It is a matter of impulsivity as a result of the way that your brain works. So you want to take away that ability to engage in that impulsivity. It's going to keep you debt free. So that's number eight. Number nine, go to your main checking account bank, the the original one, not the new one that we just set up, and opt out of their overdraft program. Most people don't realize that they even have an overdraft program with their bank, but most people opt into it when they open up their accounts. It's what allows the bank to charge you a fee to process transactions that exceed the amount of available funds in your account. If you don't opt in, the bank's going to decline your ATM withdrawals and your debit card transactions unless you have enough money to cover the expense, the withdrawal or the purchase. If you don't opt in, but the bank pays the ATM or the purchase item when your account is overdrawn, they can't charge you that overdraft fee. But so long as you're opted in, they can. So all you have to do is opt out. Then no more overdraft fees. And last but not least, number 10, use what's left over for whatever you want. Any money that is in your checking account, this first checking account, the one that you had before we engaged in this 10-step process, any money that's in there You don't need it for your overhead. You don't need it for your rent, gas, your electric, your mortgage. You don't need it for your student loan payments. You don't need it to pay the car bill. You don't need it for anything that keeps a roof over your head, food on your plate, or your credit score in line. So it's all yours. You can play with it. You need to understand that you've got this impulsiveness that's part of ADHD. You've got this limitation on your ability to focus and to plan. But rather than suppressing that or trying to and failing, which of course leads to you feeling like a failure, leads to that depression and that negative set of feelings, that we talked about. Instead of trying to suppress it, you need a way to engage that impulsivity in a way that doesn't hurt you. Even if you spend every penny in your account, you don't have to worry about it. The money in your checking account is play money. Sure, you need to pay for your food with it. And you might have times when instead of dining on fine filet mignon, you're 
dining on ramen noodles from a package. But you're never going to go homeless. And you're never going to miss your student loan payments. And your electricity is never going to get turned off. And your cell phone's never going to get turned off because that money's covered elsewhere. So again, this is play money. There's only a limited amount of harm that you can do to yourself. Ultimately, these 10 steps involve you doing the one thing that financial advisors tell people to never do, and that's ignore the money. But when you've got ADHD, you're already far more likely to be ignoring the money. And when you do pay attention, you're far more likely to realize that things aren't going well. And when that happens, you're far more likely to feel inadequate, feel like a failure, be depressed. So by enabling you to ignore a lot of the aspects of money and to set things on a system that doesn't require a whole lot of oversight, you're able to reduce the chances that you're going to have problems It allows you to concentrate on doing the things that you do well and allowing the system to handle all the stuff that's outside of your abilities sometimes. So that's today's episode of The Student Loan Show, my 10 steps to managing your student loans if you've got ADHD. I hope it's been helpful for you and you can find more resources about student loans ADHD, and a whole lot more at studentloanshow.com forward slash ADHD. Many adults have been living with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and don't recognize it because its symptoms are often mistaken for just a stressful life. The World Health Organization developed a self-screener to be used as a starting point to help you recognize the signs and symptoms of adult ADHD. You can find the link to that screener on our site at studentloanshow.com forward slash ADHD. The screener isn't meant to replace a consultation with a well-trained healthcare professional, and an accurate diagnosis can only be made through a clinical evaluation. Regardless of the questionnaire results, if you have concerns about diagnosis and treatment of adult ADHD, please discuss your concerns with your physician. My name is Jay Fleischman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of The Student Loan Show.